It's time for the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email backtothebookbroadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Walland, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org. And now the broadcast. Please take your Bibles, if you would, turn back to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Our text for this week has been John 8, starting in verse 25, reading through verse 29. We've just reached the application part of what I've been dealing with this week. I've given you all the context of this. We've showed the three powerful claims to Jesus Christ's Messiahship and claims to deity ultimately claiming in the end of chapter 8 that he is the I Am of the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. One of the names given to him was Emmanuel. You find it in the book of Isaiah. Emmanuel means this, God with us. Don't ever let anybody tell you or convince you otherwise that Jesus was anything less than God manifest in the flesh. He is the Son of God, yes, we know. He is a trinity. But Jesus is just as much God as God the Father is or God the Holy Spirit is. God is one, yet three. God is one, manifest in three different ways. God is one, manifest in three different persons. Now, try to as you might, you're not going to be able to totally wrap your head around that. But He is God. And there are some limited physical proofs of it. Man himself is a trinity. We are body, soul, and spirit. There are many things in creation that have uh, a trinity to them, such as an egg. You have a shell, the white of an egg, the yolk of an egg. All of them are just as much egg as the other, but all three different parts. You can kind of use those to somewhat help you understand, but ultimately it has to be taken by faith. But Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Jesus Christ is God. That is part of John's point in writing this whole gospel. His very opening line is this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was, uh, how, how does it go? The same was ma- um, manifest in the flesh. Or, I'm sorry, the, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We find this in in verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Obviously, John is hitting on that he is not just the Son of God, as referred to many times in Scripture, but that he is God himself manifest in the flesh. Don't let somebody ever take you away from that. There are a lot of cults that deal, that try to do that. Jesus was God himself. But while on earth, Jesus in man's flesh, one thing we find, and as I shared with you yesterday, three principles that he gives to show the Pharisees that he is a man sent from God, obviously God himself as well, but always referring to God the Father. We see that Jesus looked to give God the Father all the glory. I want you to notice in chapter 17 and verse 16 this. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but is his that sent me. 
If any man will to do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. If we were to turn to chapter 8 and verse 49, we would see this. Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not my own glory. Remember, Jesus was God. If anybody here on this earth had any right to seek his own glory, it would have been Jesus Christ, God in man's flesh. But no, he didn't seek for his own glory. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. We could turn to Philippians in chapter 2. And I will do it just to read it to you. I'm sure you're familiar with it. But in Philippians chapter 2, we find the five-fold humbling of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember this, Jesus was God. He was perfect, He was all-knowing, He was all-powerful, yet there was a certain humility that He carried. And we will be very hard-pressed to prove that we are Christians and that we are from God without this humility. If Jesus needed this in His life, if Jesus sought to give glory to God the Father in everything, we ought to do the same. Notice this, Philippians 2 and verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus had humility. Jesus did not seek his own glory. It's pride that drives that. We find in other passages of Scripture that Jesus, when reviled, he reviled not again. Now, if Jesus needed this attitude and had this attitude in his life as God of gods, as King of kings, as Lord of lords, if he had it here, then we most ought to and we most definitely ought to have it in our own lives. I believe with all my heart this should be in every Christian's life. Humility. Looking to give all glory to God. Seeking not our own glory. We know from Scripture that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. I want to ask you a question. Do you do what you do for God's glory or for your own?
You see, God is looking for those that have a selfless attitude. This is a principle I believe we ought to live by. Everything we do, every attitude that we have, ought to be done from an attitude of all for God's glory, not for my own. Now listen, humility is not just think low, thinking lowly of ourselves. It's not thinking of ourselves at all. In our attitudes, if we want to be able to be used by God, then our attitude must be all about Him. And that is what we find in the Lord Jesus Christ. As a man here on earth, as our perfect example, and we could go to 1 Peter that tells us that we should walk in his steps. Jesus, as a man, looked to give all glory to God in everything. He had the right attitude. He had an attitude of humility. Let me ask you, are you humble in what you do? Or do you seek to bring glory to yourself? There's a lot of people, a lot of preachers, a lot of people in ministry looking to try to bring glory to themselves for what they do. They might do a lot of big things, but it's not about God. It's about themselves. If we truly want to be used by God, if we truly want to be like Christ, which ought to be our desire, then our attitude needs to be all about Him, all for His glory, nothing for ourselves. Jesus looked to give all glory to the Father. But secondly, we find that Jesus loved the Word of the Father. Not only did He love it, He was full of of the word of the Father. Now we've read this multiple times, but John chapter 8 verse 25, Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Now I don't think I need to use any extra time to take you to other references for you to understand and know how many times Jesus quoted the Word of God. It was important in His life. He says there that he spoke to them the things that God had given him, the things that God had taught him. He was all about the word of the Father. He loved the word of the Father. He was full of the word of the Father. We find it during the temptation from Satan. There was 40 days that he had fasted and then Satan begins to tempt him that he used Scripture to combat the temptation. He always was quoting Scripture. To prove his points, he would quote Scripture. To deal with the Pharisees, he would quote Scripture. He would use the Scripture in its right way, in its full context. And that was what he spoke. That was what he came to teach. That was what he preached. Jesus was all about the Word of God. Now we know that he was the Word, as John 1 tells us. We also know that he is the prophetic fulfillment of Psalms 1, being the only man that could ever meditate on God's law day and night, being the blessed man. Now, we know that has a lot of application to us, but Jesus Christ 
fulfills the bill on that entire psalm. Most people will not classify that as a messianic psalm, but he does fit that. You say, what are you saying? Jesus as God had a love for God's word, had a hunger for God's word, had a desire for God's word. He looked to give all glory to the Father. That shows humility. But here, he was full of the word of God. He loved the word of God. He had a hunger for the word of God, if you'll give me the liberty to say that way. We as Christians ought to have a hunger for the word of God. One thing that we find in John chapter 8, verse 37, he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, I know that ye are Abraham's seed physically. He said this, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Does God's word have a place in your heart? Do you love the word of God? Do you hunger for the word of God? You see, we find in sinners that they have no hunger for the word of God. But if we were to continue going through this, passage, we'd find in verse 31 that the Christian will continue in it. In verses 39 through 41, we'll find that the Christian will obey it. In verse 47, we'll find that the Christian hears God's word gladly. It would do us a whole lot of good to quit being so full of ourselves and to get full of the word of God, to take up Jesus' example in this matter. You see, not only is God looking for somebody that has a selfless attitude, but God is looking for somebody that has selfless speech. The standard today that we find seems to be anything and everything talked about other than God and His Word. You say, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this, that not only should our attitude be all about Him, but if we really want to be like Christ then our speech should be all about Him. There ought to be a hunger. There ought to be a desire. There ought to be a love for God's Word. If you truly love God, if you truly want to be like Him, it's not something you have to force. It will show up naturally. You will talk about what you love. My point to you this morning is this. Not only does our attitude need to be all about Him, but our speech ought to be all about Him. You've been listening to the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email broadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Wallen, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwallen.org.